Do you want to capture meaningful conversations that you care about? Spotify for Podcasters allows you to make a podcast super effortlessly, distribute it automatically everywhere, completely free, and even earn money doing it. Did I say free while making money? What happened to capitalism? Use your phone or computer, hit press record, upload, and start creating today. You can also monetize your podcast super effortlessly through features like ads and subscriptions through the platform. If you have been following the Discover More journey, you know that I've been using Spotify for Podcasters since 2020. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to spotify.com slash podcasters. Spotify.com slash podcasters to start creating immediately. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Discover More. Where we strive to discover more through intentional dialogues. My name is Benoit. And my name is Aiden. This podcast will serve as a space to exchange ideas from the collective experience. Hey, good morning, everyone. We first want to start with just immense gratitude for everyone that is listening. We've realized how much of a privilege it is to be able to. Share our ideas, share our thoughts with all of you, and have this opportunity to have a platform to really explore ideas and the experiences of our guests. We hope you had a fantastic holiday,、uh, time spent with family and friends. With this episode, it's going to be a little bit different than most weeks. We're not doing an interview, but rather reflecting on our time spent on this podcast. So, we feel this, these seven lessons really distill the biggest takeaways from our eight guests so far, as well as our own personal experience with the podcast and how those lessons have trickled into our own lives. With that being said, we're going to start on our seven lessons from our 2019 podcast experience. So, our first being act with intention. So, I'm going to let Ben talk about this one a little bit,、um, but we feel intention. Has been kind of the centerpiece around all of our guests' journeys and our own journeys as well. So, first being act with intention. Ben, kind of what does that intentionality piece mean to you and what have you learned from our guests across the last few weeks? Absolutely.、Uh, before we start and discuss the episodes with all, all our lessons for the past 17 episodes with eight guests, I do want to reaffirm what Aiden said.、Uh, it is an extreme. Deep privilege that we do have to have this platform to share everyone, and we do appreciate everyone tuning in for another、uh, different type of episode, like Aiden talked about. And we are going to try to reflect, trying to synthesize the seven lessons and the great takeaways that we took from the past journey of the three months where we started in September. And we're trying to tell everyone and relate with our own experiences how they've impacted our lives so far. So, our first lesson is act with intention. and The whole MO and the motto, and why the reason why we started this podcast as our passion project is because of the idea that whenever we're conversing with someone with the attitude of open mindedness, I think it's、uh, inevitable that great ideas will happen. And great ideas will happen through interactions, through dialogues, and through free exchange of ideas. And, but those ideas or those conversations will be blend or It would just be another go through the motion and it would just be one of those surface talks without the intentional piece. And our goal and our intention with this episode and with this podcast and with this passion project 
is to truly hone in on the intentionality piece and to have open conversations with people who we find interesting, with people who we find have created uh, amazing achievements or who have impacted others in a very meaningful way. And by having the intentionalities as the centerpiece, as having the center of all these conversations, uh, we found it to be a lot more conducive to creating these uh, great or potentially profound ideas. So intentionality is definitely very important. And this reminds me of you know, numerous other guests and the intentionality piece and the, the idea of acting with intention have been a reoccurring theme over and over again whenever we're discussing between ourselves or whether we're having conversations or whether we're interviewing most of our guests, whether it's all eight of them or some of them. But whenever you do something, if you're not being intentional about it, what are you doing it for? Why are you doing it for? And how are you going to do it? The whys, the hows, and the do's are only possible when you're being intentional and being clear about what you want to do through that specific action. So X, Y, and Z are meaningless if you don't know where you're going. There is no destination without the journey. The destination is unclear. So how can you create a journey or a meaningful journey to get to the place where you don't want to be if you're not being clear about what you want to do or where you want to go? So we really, really important felt important that uh, the intentional piece is the overarching theme and the overarching lesson that ties back and boils on to every single lessons that follows afterwards. But yeah, man, uh, what about you? How do you think that lesson one or the intentional piece have impacted you so far? For sure. Yeah, I think like you mentioned, it is all a journey. So regardless of if that's a fitness journey, a professional journey, a relationship journey, it all has to have a starting point. And that starting point is really important to be intentional and clear about what you want to talk through and I guess where you want that journey to bring you. Um, almost if you don't, I think there's a saying of if you don't see where the target is, you're not going to shoot in the right direction. So it's really getting clear on what you want as that end goal and being intentional in the in the actions that you're taking to get to that end goal. And Realistically, our first guest, too, is, I think, a shining example of that. Um, he shared that his overall goal was to retire from corporate America and be able to live life on his own terms by the time he turned 30 five years ago. And he's taken consistent, intentional action every single day to make sure he's taking steps in that direction. And, you know, I just talked to him last week. He's hoping to retire in the next couple months. Um, so reached his journey just by taking those consistent actions every single day. So it really takes, you know, that effort of whether that's journaling or thinking through or talking with friends of just figuring out what you really want, where you're really trying to go and doing everything you can consistently to get to that point. So that was, you know, a first shining example of that. And I think that trickled into all of our guests, um, Anna, we talk, she talked about intentionally grocery shopping, intentionally making sure that there's only healthy food in her, in her house, um, intentionally waking up on every single morning on the first alarm, because that's being intentional about putting the day, starting the day off in the right direction or on the right foot, kind of not snoozing your responsibilities away, really embracing the idea of showing up for the people around her and giving back to the clients in the energy that she brings every day. So intentionality, I think, seems like a centerpiece across all of our guest experience and certainly in our own experience. I mean, we've talked a lot about uh, morning journaling, which I think intention comes into a big part of just even if it's two to five minutes, just saying what intentions you want to bring to the day. So I haven't been doing it as much in December, but November was really big for morning journaling of saying, 
hey, I have this meeting at two o'clock. I want to show up in this way. I want to be present. I want to be curious and ask the questions that needed to be asked. So regardless of what platform it is or what situation, you can always bring intention into whatever experience you are um, or you are experiencing. So I know Nick talked about the cues. If you want to talk about that a little bit or how you've started using cues and or intentionality in your own life. Yeah. So like Aiden talked about, most of our guests, they do allude and they do relate the intentional piece. But before that, I do want to emphasize the importance of the lesson one, right? So the first pillar is act. And the second is with intention. So there's intention would and will not matter if you're not acting upon that. Because at the end of the day, without a decision, without an intention, without an action, nothing is happening. You're just sitting and you're just stagnant on the same point. So you have to act first. But how do you act with that? The navigation, the GPS piece that you're using to act is guided through the intention piece. But yeah, Nick Boletto, amazing person, shout out to you if you're listening. And he talks about he created all these mental cues throughout his day, right? Of course, in the morning, whether you're meditating, you're journaling, or you're reading, or whatever the rotation that you have for yourself, is you're setting a game plan for the day. It's almost like having a game playbook before you're about to start the game for the day. You're having you're following the gameplay. So that's like what you start. But throughout the day, it's important to remind yourself uh, what to do with that gameplay. So what Nick does is uh, he uses a seatbelt whenever he's driving because he drives a couple times a day. He used that as like a reset button, as a mental cue for him to reset the intention for the day. If you had like a rough morning or if you had a less than ideal morning, he's frustrated, right? All these negative sentiments and feelings and emotional responses are naturally occurring in his mind. So he's like, wait a minute, I am acting right now. I'm acting with the intention. Intention to do what? To be productive, to be compassionate, to be empathetic to be, you know, whatever other adjectives you want to add on to that. But he uses that cues to reset his intention. He's like, okay, right now, I may not be the best ideal person that I want to be at this very moment. So how can we change that? He now, and then, so now he's acting with the intention to change his mindset, change his attitude for the following or the remaining of the day by every time he put on his seatbelt, it's a, it act as a cue and a reset button to reset his intention. But everything he does, that's just like a very small example from uh, our guest, Nick Boletto. But all our guests uh, use different habits and different tricks or different cues to act and try to live their life with the intentional piece. And because we truly, truly believe that intentionality and the lesson one is the overarching lesson that's going to apply to the rest of the lessons. And we really believe everyone and none of this episode and none of this podcast, none of this journaling, none of this journal would have happened in the past three months without acting and without the intentionality piece. Yeah, really well said, Ben. Intentionality is definitely a centerpiece across the board. So well, that's going to bring us into our second lesson learned, which intentionality continues to trickle into. But it's, I guess, the intentionality of accepting with unconditional compassion. So this idea of unconditional compassion was first introduced to us by Andre when he was talking about his management style. So rather than managing the people that work for him, he's managing the people's situations and really approaching every problem with unconditional compassion, how he can best help his employees rather than how he can get them to do what he may need. So that was honestly a giant takeaway, I guess, that started in a business setting. It was organizational leadership, organizational management, how to navigate the corporate America, for the lack of a better term. But that trickles into 
anything and everything. And once we had, I guess, that centerpiece theme, we kind of picked it up um, as general themes from the rest of our guests. So, for example, uh, fitness coach Anna Robinson approaches her training with unconditional compassion. So she would say it's so much more than the workout. It's the community, the people you meet, the general life improvement that's not just health and fitness related. So whether that's asking how our client's day was, she says, really listening when they're telling them what's going on in their life and putting that compassion before anything else was representative of that theme that Andre picked up and kind of shows that it's so much more than just organizational leadership. It's so much more just than fitness, but really approaching everything with unconditional compassion. That was a giant lesson learned from each of our guests. So Ben, what has unconditional compassion meant to you and how does that acceptance piece play into it in your life? Absolutely. Before I talk about my life, let me extend that a little bit to the other guests. So Andre was the first guest that told us about the concept and Anna definitely add on to that. But I think the guest that truly solidified the concept of unconditional compassion is our most recent guest, Will Pham. So of course, he is a licensed social worker. He has a master's degrees and he is in the transition as he's trying to accumulate hours to become a psychotherapist. And however, he was born with a condition, right, which makes him regressively and progressively loses his eyesight. And he has been blind for a while. And one of the things that he talks about in the episode is that he wishes that he extended more grace and he wishes he extended more compassion towards himself. Because we often forget, especially with people with great level of empathy, great level of compassion, who are with similar mindsets, we're always trying to extend grace. We're trying to extend compassion towards the other people because we're all like to help others, like the power hierarchy piece that Nick Boletto talks about, where we want to help the others, we want to empower the others. But we often forget the fact that we are often our self-harshest critics. We hold ourselves to such a high standard. Many high achievers do in this case, not everyone. But we often cut other people's slacks because you know we're understanding we are like oh everyone has circumstances everyone have different factors everyone have different situations and that's another piece that andre talked about right it's not a team management but rather situation management you're not managing the humans you're not managing tools like humans are not tools human beings are not tools your employees are not your tools to hit your criteria hit your performance you know goals but rather they're real human beings so rather than imagining them you're managing their situations you know, and that's a, such like a powerful idea. But, you know, Will really hit it home uh, for me because he talked about why are we being graceful? Why are we being compassionate towards everyone else but ourselves? Right. Why do you think all this mental crisis, I will call a mental epidemic that we're experiencing? Why, why is all these things happening? Why is there such a disparity? Why is there such a gap of understanding for ourselves versus the others? You know, and I think the unconditional compassion, they have to have to first and foremost back to ourselves, right? We have to be unconditionally compassionate towards ourselves first. And once again, Nick talks about the metaphor and the analogy of you cannot pour from an empty cup. You cannot help the others if you're empty yourself. You have to fulfill yourself first to be the best of your version, to be able to uh, go out and impact others in the most powerful way. And But in terms of how it affected me so far, it's a lot, man. Like, I work in the nonprofit sector. I work with mental health. I work with clients from diverse but mostly low socioeconomic backgrounds. And of course, I'm going to be compassionate and trying to impactful, trying to uh, connect them with resources, trying to change their lives, right? Trying to help them with whatever situations and barriers and challenges they may have. But oftentimes, I 
sometimes neglecting my own self-care you know it's the idea of radical self-care because you have to take care of yourself first you have to learn how to compartmentalize you have to learn how to not bring the emotional baggage back home but how do you do that is by extending that con- compassion towards yourself so um ever since i learned that you know lessons from from the guests from this show i try to practice more self-care i try to be more compassionate towards myself because the whole terminology and the idea of unconditional is there's no strings attached there's no condition attached to that compassion piece you're not being compassionate towards other people trying to get something in return you're not being compassionate towards yourself to have something in return you're that's you like you're talking to yourself right so it's un- truly being unconditional because you're doing this because you just want the better being you just want them to be better you want to have that grace for all beings you want just to be better yourself be better others and i think it's like a very positive cycle so it's been a very very powerful and compelling lesson for me indeed I think the concept of self-care is really interesting and I think might benefit a lot of people to kind of dive into a little bit more because I feel there's a bit of a perception around self-care of kind of getting home and vegging out, whether that's through Netflix or Instagram or just laying around on your bed. But there's certainly a place in that. Oftentimes, it's good to kind of escape the realities if that may me if that may need be um, of a stressful situation but what does self-care mean to you how do you practice it um, because I think unconditional compassion to others is a little bit more straightforward but really that internally focused unconditional compassion is sometimes a little bit confusing how is it possible to determine what's actually needed what's proper self-care um, and what have you found effective in managing that relationship Absolutely. Yeah. Great question and great point. So, you know, which actually leads to the next, you know, next uh, point of the the lesson, right, is that the expectation piece, you know, because uh, you're the one who told me about this quote is expectation is a thief of joy and happiness is by having that unconditional compassion. It also helps you navigate and manage expectations, right? Because having that false level expectations, whether for yourself or for the others, because for all the listeners out there, if you were to reflect upon yourself, every time you felt some sort of resentment, towards other people, towards the people in your life, towards yourself, is because either they fell short of your expectations or you fell short of your expectations. And you and then you get mad, you get resentful towards that. But having the unconditional compassion piece definitely helps navigate that, navigate that situation and that negative feeling. Yeah, great point. I'm really glad that you brought up the acceptance portion because obviously unconditional compassion is very important. But I think an equally important aspect that's really helped me navigate the way I deal with stressors or problems in the world is just unconditional acceptance. So whether that's unconditional acceptance of a person, a situation, um, it's really removing any preconceived ideas or preconceived expectations from what that thing is. So really, if you're just unconditionally accepting what the situation is, you can really be present in it and enjoy it for what it is rather than what you're expecting it to be. So that can be something as basic as going out with your friends and having a preconceived idea of like what you want that night to lead to, but really just going in, no expectations, no preconceived ideas, and just accepting everything as it is, is something that I have found really powerful in navigating stressors and difficult situations. So when dealing with these, I mean, a lot of situations aren't avoidable by any measures. That's something we talk a lot about, controllable versus uncontrollable or variables. So when something's out of your control, something's just happening that you have no stake in or no ability to alter or change, what are some of those strategies for managing your self-care 
um, when dealing with those situations. Yeah, uh, great addition to that, what I said. Uh, thank you, Aiden, for saying that. Yeah, so to answer uh, both of your questions is, yeah, so my main modes of self-care, and I do want to emphasize and to tell everyone that everyone does have different type of self-care and different modes of self-care, and not there's no such thing as one fit for all, right? So different routines, different habits for different people. But to me specifically, and I think to uh, many of our guests we had on, and even between ourselves, uh, the true mode of self-care that really helped me out uh, tremendously is my morning routines and my habits, right? It's like you talked about the controllable versus uncontrollable piece. There's so much chaos in this world. And, you know, what, what is the opposite of chaos is order. It's always chaos and order since, you know, as, as far back as we go back to since Aristotle. And so how do you minimize chaos and how do you maximize order is by having a set of routines and habits. And how do you control the chaos in your mind? is by having a set of routines. How do you control the chaos of internal world is by saying, having a set of routines and habits. And on the same note, how do you control the external chaos is by having a set of routines and habits. So how I self-care is I have a very set specific of routines is, you know, I, I wake up, I meditate and I journal and I go work out for an hour. And that's my main self-care, right? In the gym, it's just me, just me and the music. There's nothing in between me, just me and the weights. I'm working out intensely to to hit my goals or to complete the workout in that morning. And I come home, you know, shower and all that. And by having all that set of routines, it gives me certainty. It gives me the assurance that I know what today lies ahead of me because I already went through the same routine that I always go through. And that, that level of certainty brings so much reassurance and confidence that I know and I will conquer the day because I've done this over and over again. There's no something new. Of course, there's uncertainties. There's new surprises happen at my work. However, by having that anchor, by having that gravity in the morning through my routines and my habits, it definitely helped me to uh, create this self-care. And of course, if something happens, if something like a new stressor uh, emerge throughout the day, which they always do, I will implement, you know, watch YouTube videos or just talk to people because I'm an extrovert. So socializing does give me the energy. But yeah, like the main motive of my self-care is definitely my routines and habits, you know, which at least your uh, third lesson perfectly, you know, lesson three is commit to routines and habits. When you examine all our guests who happen to be high achievers, uh, we don't necessarily select our guests based on their achievements, but they do bring an ample amount of values for everyone. And we learned a lot. And every single one of them have routines and habits. They all vary. Like I said, not everyone have the same, uh, not everyone's the morning person, not everyone's a night person, but whatever routines and habits work for you, but everyone should have a set of routines and habits they're comfortable with. Because like I said, by having those routines, by having those habits, they act as anchor and they're going to help you get grounded for that day, whether you're about to start the day or whether you're about to end the day. So yeah, I'd like to turn the mic back to Aiden and talk, talk about, about how how that's how he can relate to those and how maybe some of the other lessons that we learned are from the lesson three. Yeah, absolutely, Ben. I think routines and habits when implemented correctly are single-handedly the most powerful thing that you can do for yourself just because like you talked about it keeps order in a chaotic world there's inevitably going to be things appear or stressors that come into your life that aren't controllable whether that's a someone cut you off in traffic one of your family members got sick whether you lost a sporting event, there's just a lot of things that are outside of your control that you can't necessarily control. And routines and habits are the things that allow you to navigate them with, with, while eliminating stress. So 
every one of our guests talked about these a lot um, and really give a lot of good examples as what can work for you. Really, it boils down to experimenting to what you need for that present present challenge or present time in your life. So whether that's a morning workout like a noop, um, he would do an hour and a half at the gym every morning, um, 6 to 7.30 before he goes out and starts his entrepreneurial journey of the day. Um, Nick Boletto mentions he meditates and journals every single morning or even the mental cue uh, when he unbuckles his seatbelt of bringing the joy. So those are a number of things that works for some of our guests, could work for you. Um, Andre mentioned that he goes camping and running uh, to kind of have a reset from that really organizational structure of his everyday. And personally, this is one of the biggest things in my life are my routines. So something as basic as making your bed. You can always come home to a made bed regardless of what the day brings. There's still that order of kind of clean space, clean living or clean house, uh, clean mind or clean space, clean mind is a big saying. So I really want to encourage others to bring in as many small routines and habits as possible. I think it's all building blocks. So I think in both of our cases, our morning routines have evolved over the past year, over the past two years. It may have mine personally started with just a workout. Then I added meditation to that. And then I added journaling shortly after that. So I think it's really finding that building blocks, finding what foundation you want to build for yourself based on what's important to you. That kind of comes full circle back to living with intention. It's being clear and intentional about what things your foundation needs and building up from there. So I personally knew that I wanted my body to be in good physical health, found that as my base, and then built habits and routines to build off of that. And I think the other exceptional thing about routines and habits is they build momentum. So it's kind of those small wins, kind of things that you can do automatically. I mean, at this point, I could practically journal in my sleep. Like it's something I've been doing for so long in the morning that it's just a part of what I'm doing. So even if I'm not feeling great, if something bad happens that morning, you can still carry out that habit, carry out that routine and build momentum for the rest of the day. Kind of push the snowball down the hill and eventually if you have so many patterns, routines, it continues to build and then you can find yourself accomplishing a lot more towards the back end of the day. So really embracing them, however how small, and allowing them to trickle into the other aspects of your life I think is a gigantic um, piece of advice or lesson from most of our guests. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I just want to conclude that lesson by just summarizing all that and saying, you know, like, Everything in life can be split into controllable variables and uncontrollable variables like we talked about earlier. And by having that set of routines and habits, whatever that may be, it's a certain way of increasing what is controllable. Because what is controllable is order. What is uncontrollable is chaos. And why are the routines and habits controllable? Because you've been doing them. And by committing them, by committing to those routines, by instilling in those routines and being grounded in those routines and habits, there, there's only certainty because you know you're what you know what you're about to do for the next hour based on how long those routines and habits are because there is no uncertainty in that hour because you've been doing this over and over and over again through consistency and through that commitment. So 100%, we encourage everyone to 100% find a set of routines and habits that work for you. They're going to empower your day. They're going to bring out the best version of yourselves and commit to them. And that is a sure way of expanding what is controllable in this life and to minimize chaos. Yeah, and that leads us to our lesson number four is to be present, be curious, 
right? And then the whole, by having those routines and those habits are going to help you, you know, like the practicing that to be how to be present. But of course, the curiosity piece, which relates to the reason why we started this passion project, why we started this podcast, because Aiden and myself, we both have those growth mindset. We both are proud of the fact that our our big portion of identity is that we are lifelong learners. We just love to learn and we have those inheriting curiosities. We don't care if it's meditation. We don't care if it's sports. We don't care if it's cook. We don't care if it's technology. That's why we have such an array of guests from all different backgrounds and different sectors because we have so much curiosity that we want to fulfill. And you can only fulfill those curiosities by being present, right? When you have a guest on, when you're having deep conversations with guests, if you're not being present about that, then your curiosities will never be fulfilled because you're not really truly listening. Your, your, your mind's all over the place. You're thinking about what can you say? What can you say to top off what the guest said? Or what can you say when you're in a conversation with your friends? You're only trying to get back to or to rebound from what they're t- talking about, but rather than you're not really listening. And you know, like the skill set I picked up and I think we both picked up truly, truly through this podcast and through this interviewing processes and being the hosts and the interviewers in our show is the active listening piece is by being present, by being curious, we're able to truly actively listen to what the people have to say. And by truly internalizing those lessons and those contents, but yeah, active listening is for sure. Um, but yeah, uh, what about you, Aiden? What have you learned about this lesson? And yeah, that a little bit deeper. Sure. Yeah, I think a big thing to point out here is I've learned that presence often leads to curiosity. So the idea of presence is being still with yourself and getting your own ideas out of the way in the present moment. So a book that I had just finished called Stillness is the Key by Ryan Holiday defines stillness as to be steady while the world spins around you. So that's really the idea of just remaining present and almost empty, emptying your mind regardless of what is happening around you. So I think in our experience with interviews, often it's that active listening and being still in whatever the person is saying that often leads to the curiosity. If you're not, like if we're not thinking our own ideas but rather just absorbing what the other person is saying, inevitably curiosity comes up. It's not our own thoughts, but curiosities as to what that person is talking about. So one thing that I've noticed or heard a lot about is just the idea of better questions and better answers. So really by asking that extra question that might not be at the surface level, it might take to listening to what a nuance of a story is or what a specific detail might mean to that person. It's not that obvious next question, but rather that one that probes a little bit, I think is really where the best answers lie. Um, And that often leads to the best solutions and the best outcomes. So presence has been a giant thing, both internally and externally. It's presence within myself, um, meditating every morning and really carrying that stillness through the stressors of the day but then also presence when interacting with people. I think often, I mean, I can speak firsthand from before I started meditating while I was in college, there was just always thoughts going on, always that chatter upstairs of what is this person thinking? What is this person doing this for? Just constantly observing the world and putting my judgments on them. And while that's a, I guess, effective way to look at things, it's also 
it's an effective way to absorb what's going on around you. But I think in my personal circumstance, it was very unhealthy in that I was constantly thinking, constantly judging, and really not focusing on what my own experience was. I think when you're thinking so much, you can't really absorb what's going on around you. So the presence really allows you to enjoy what's happening around you and experience that experience for what it is, kind of being intentional in stillness, being intentional of putting those things aside. So I think all of our guests, although we didn't directly talk about presence, have presence in their specific moment. And we talked about flow state with Andre with his running experiences and how flow state is really that middle ground of focus and surrender and being still in whatever race it is or how we would go camping to find the presence of the outdoors as a reset from his organizational management. So I think presence is something that trickles into the lives of all high performers, um, which is talked about a lot in this book, Stillness is the Key, that I mentioned earlier. Uh, Ben and I are actually going to be doing a book review on that at the end of the month that we would encourage all of you to listen to if you're curious about it and or pick up a book because I've read numerous books over the last year and not one has been more profound than that one. And each chapter is only four pages. So if you're looking for an easy read that's very impactful, I would highly recommend that. So Ben, anything to add on presence, curiosity and or how stillness has come into your life? Yeah, absolutely. Very well said, Aiden. So yeah, I just want to go back to the uh, idea that he talked about where better questions lead to better answers. I first heard that from Peter Thiel from his book of Zero to One. He's off, Peter Thiel, of course, is one of the most prominent billionaire investor, you know, hedge fund manager. The titles go on and on and on and co-founder of PayPal. But he talks about the idea that most people have these 10-year plans, five-year plans. And of course, those plans serve a huge purpose in life. It's better to have some sort of a five-year plan than having a no-year plan at all, right? But he started to ask his questions of, okay, if I have a 10-year plan, why do I have to wait for 10 years to achieve that plan? Why can't I achieve that 10-year plan in a time of six months? Why can that 10-year plan to be accomplished within a six-month window? And by asking those better questions, the quality of the answers and the quality of outcome will only happen if they're inevitable by asking just better quality of questions, right? And because those questions are the manifestation of your curiosity, and by being curious, by being present, by letting go of your internal self-dialogues, your internal clutter in your mind, like Aiden talked about, but by, by truly fully, fully emerging in that presence moment, by truly having the immersion process like our guest too talked about, whether you're conversing with your guests or your friends or when you're reading or whatever the test that you're currently doing at that moment, by letting go of those distractions, by letting go, but by truly honing in on that presence, that presence moment through curiosity is I found to be so, so powerful to captivate and to learn as much as I can. And it definitely has accelerated my learning process because I'm letting go of my own judgments because those judgments are often misjudgments. That's how stigmas are formed. That's how stereotypes are formed. But truly, if you don't know anything, especially our guests, especially from an array of backgrounds, we don't know anything about a new startup find out with a biotech. We don't know anything about finance like our guest Nick and the Wall Street experience. We don't know about a lot of those fields because we haven't had those experiences, right? It's like what Will talked about in the last episode, right? Experience before insight. You could be the most empathetic and the most insightful person, but without the experience, you will not truly be able to understand to replicate that that perspective because you just haven't lived through it yet. 
And yeah, through all that, it's by being by being present, by being curious with all our guests, by letting go of what we think it is right, what we think, what they went through, but letting go of our assumptions and presumptions, but truly, truly emerging in that present moment of the conversation. I've learned to truly captivate and truly retain all of the information, a lot of the lessons that we learned. And just like what we're doing right now. And yeah, it's been so, so profound. And uh, at the end of the day, the only way to achieve that flow state is to truly surrender your own agenda, your own ideas, but to focus on what the others have to offer. I'm really glad that you mentioned the experience before insight portion of it, because that really bridges exceptionally well into our fifth lesson of learn without borders. So this lesson, I think, represents not only our own experience of obviously learning from our guests without borders, but also ultimately how most of them learned their expertise or learned what really sets them apart from the rest of the world. Um, I think embracing learning through experience rather than learning through books is something that's remarkably powerful with the way the world is going. Anything you want to learn about is completely accessible at all times, whether that's YouTube, course material, you can literally read medical studies online. Um, We're so privileged to be in a generation like this where anything you would want to learn is at your fingertips at all times. So really embracing the idea of learning without borders, learning what's important to you and learning, diving as deep as you can about that. Two, two fam, our first guest talked a lot about the immersion process and really learning as much as possible about whatever specific topic he was interested in. So for the period of his life where he was working in public accounting and sports betting a lot, he dove down that tunnel super deep, was betting four to five games a day and profiting tremendously just because he was putting so much time and so much effort into that learning and doing process. And then similarly, when he dove into real estate, really immersing and learn as much as you possibly can about every component of that industry. Um, And even with Anoop, he talked a lot about his entrepreneurship journey and how that wasn't necessarily what school taught him about science or what school taught him about entrepreneurship, but rather what the folks at Y Combinator taught him how to do, all the mentors that he met and the people that really meant a lot to him and ultimately shared their experiences as to how to be a better entrepreneur and scale a business. So it's really sometimes putting the books aside and learning through the experience, learning through action. Obviously, books are a phenomenal resource that we encourage everyone to go through and read as much as possible. But I personally fell victim to this um, in 2018. I read 25 books, but wasn't really doing anything. You know, there's you can only consume so much knowledge. Eventually, that knowledge needs to turn into action, which is exactly why we're here podcasting with you guys today is we're trying to share the things that we've learned through those books that we've read. But ultimately, if you're not going to act with the knowledge that you learn, um, you're not going to get anywhere. So it's really embracing any lesson, any insight, and sharing those advices that you're learning through experience rather than learning through books. Yeah, learning without borders. I think the highlight and the key point is the learn piece and the borders piece, right? Because back in the days, like 50, 80, 100 years ago, people had to learn through schooling. People had to take a specific major. People had to pick a specific specialization because they didn't have the ubiquitous access to information like we do. We were deeply privileged, like Aiden talked about, 
you're in this era where you can learn how to make cocaine and heroin on YouTube. Like, just like in that show Breaking Bad, you know, they learn how to make heroin, all that through the you know, internet and the information, whatever it is, we're not saying anyone should learn how to make heroin from YouTube, but it's just an idea to elude the fact that there's so much information available and there's so much outlet, uh, so much venues to learn what you want to learn. There's no excuses. And why be confined in arbitrary confinement of, oh, you have to learn this through this. Why do you have to be limited by you have to learn this through that? No, but through the intention piece, because learning is an intention, but rather than hitting goals or targets, you're not learning this just to ace the next job performance or whatever that may be, but you're truly learning through the immersion process, like two talks about, like all the guests talked about, but truly doing that, you can learn as much as you can. And your knowledge is limitless. There's so much knowledge out there. And of course, there's no point of just sponging up all the knowledge without any action. But like I said, uh, we are born into and we currently live in this era where there's so much information and there's nothing limiting us. Internet is out there. The democratization of data, there's so much possibilities. The, the future is limitless, honestly. There's infinite possibilities of what you want to become, the success route. But like I'm an immigrant, I'm an Asian American. So for my parents and for their generation, for them to come over here, education was their key out. It was only their way of uh, salvation, right? They couldn't be successful without the education piece. But we're in a different era now. You don't have to go through college to be successful. So many entrepreneurs out there, there's so many outlets to learn. And success is not defined by one thing, but by truly learning how to learn without borders, as this lesson five talks about. I think whatever that success may mean to you, you'd be able to go out and get it. Yeah, well said, Ben. And I would like to, I guess, expand on that a little bit is we've been talking a lot about learning in the academic sense, learning lessons about knowledge, um, which is obviously super important to do without borders. But I think this moves past that into learning in the everyday world, Uh, learning without borders in terms of the people that you interact with. I think a lot of times, especially when we're privileged enough to have a high education level, a lot of time ego gets in the way of who we can learn from and whose opinions we can respect of, oh, this person grew up on the streets. He might not be as intelligent or he might not have had the shared experience that we have. But I firmly believe that we can learn lessons from every single person that we come in touch with. Every single person has a different experience that may add to the knowledge we have. And this idea really is to embrace the lessons that every single person can teach us. Personally, when I went to the Pacific Northwest, I made that a game of when I was in Seattle for a week by myself, I would seek out new people every day and try and learn lessons from them, record what I talked to them about and what they taught me about their life experience. Um, So really the idea of setting ego aside and learning from every single person, regardless of where they stand in the world, I think is something that's really powerful that we encourage everyone to embrace with. So whether that's learning through books, learning through people, learning through experience, really not putting any kind of judgment or borders or guidelines on learning, but rather setting the intention of learning as a whole and doing everything in your power to learn as much as possible is something you know that both of us try and live every single day and encourage all of you to do the same. Yeah, I think that reminds me of the quote that I heard or read or listened recently is that the ignorant speaks, the curious asks, and the wise listens. So it's like the perfect idea that don't let any sort of borders and barriers block you from learning. With the intention of learning, you can learn as much from anyone and from anywhere. 
Yeah, really well said, Ben. I think learning is such a crucial part of the life experience that it's so important to learn no matter where you are or what you're doing. But that kind of brings us into our sixth point being evaluate with evidence and decide with conviction. So as much as you learn, as many people as you interact with, embrace their lessons, embrace their life teachings, or whatever books or experiences you're having, it's really, you have to decide if that personally works for you. As much as we're all genetically wired for different dispositions, different ideas, we've all been raised in different ways, it's ultimately what works for us is I think the crucial part of all of this. So embracing the lessons from the world that teaches you, but then really evaluating if they work for you. And the evidence part of this, I think, is really crucial because you need to figure out what works for you based on self-experimentation in a lot of ways. I know Anna talked a lot about finding balance with intuitive eating. So that really only boiled down to her own experimentation with diet, kind of what foods worked for her body, what ways of exercise made her feel really well, um, and really embracing this idea of trying different things, seeing how they work. Um, This is personally something that I absolutely love, especially when it comes to fitness and nutrition. Um, Last year specifically, I did vegan for a month, ketosis for a month, uh, if it fits your macros for a month, but really just experimenting and recording what's happening, how you feel, how it's impacting you, because that's the only way you can really determine if something works for you. You can read as many testimonies, and this, you know, kind of comes back to learning without borders. It's not reading the message boards about what diet is best for the person writing that blog, but really embracing self-experimentation, finding balance, what works for you, and ultimately truth in that process. Absolutely. There's so much information right now because like we talked about in lesson five, learn without borders. The information and the data and knowledge are ubiquitous now. And there's so much information and everyone, if you're interested in, we're all being bombarded with so much, so much immense amount of information that we cannot process. But the more important part is there's so much information that is not applicable to you, right? They're not relevant because we're all desired and we're wired and we're equipped with different experiences in our lives. So it's very dangerous slope because this reminds me of what Denzel Washington said in one of his red carpet interviews. So the story goes like this. I think the night before, maybe his Equalizer 2 or one of the, his new movies that came out, and it was, it's a red carpet event, he came out, and one of the journalists or one of the reporter was asking him the question of, oh, Mr. Denzel Washington, how do you feel about the fake news last night that happened, say you OD'd on drugs? And Denzel, Denzel Washington said this in a such profound and powerful way. He said this. If you're in this era, because there's so much information, if you do not read enough news, you're uninformed. But if you read too much news, you're misinformed. So the importance and the task of that sacredness falls onto journalism. But unfortunately, the journalism now is so caught up in the headliners, the clickbaits, and all the things that people find interesting in. But there's so much fake news out there, you know? And, you know, Mr. Trump, he might have said this as a joke, but it is true. There's a lot of fake news. And a lot of information tainted with irrelevant and false information. So how do you do that? And that's when lesson six comes in is you evaluate whatever you learn, whatever you observe, whatever you read, whatever you hear with evidence-based approach. Because why reinvent the wheel when the wheel is already working, right? There's no point of just aimlessly taking everything you can, trying everything you can. I mean, experimentation is very, very important and everyone should go through that. But you have to filter the information. You have to filter that process. 
how do you filter that through evidence you, tr- you want to ask yourself whatever i just learned now does that apply to my life is that going to benefit me am i going to get better through the information i just observed if the answer is no let go of this information. There's so much information out there. There's so much knowledge out there. If that doesn't work, try B. If B doesn't work, try C. If C doesn't work, try Y. One of them work. And all that's possible, like what Aiden talked about, only through experimentation. And the second piece of the lesson is decide with conviction. Evaluation has no purpose if you're not going to do something about the evaluation. Evidence have no purpose if you're not going to change your approach or get better from it, right? That's when the decision comes in. You have to decide with conviction. You have to convict the evaluation you just made and you have to get better at it by doing so right and by doing through conviction by making that decision making by making that decision on that moment after evaluating that's how you get better that's how you turn the knowledge into your own experience that's how how you turn the experience into wisdom right everyone who's wise they've learned a lot and but they've lived through them because they've done something about it they did something about it they're not just sitting in a chair and reading 40 55,000 books and not do anything about it. So lesson six is, I think, super, super important. And I think it has included everything we've learned from the previous five lessons. And I think that leads perfectly to our final lesson is start. Just take the first step. With all this curiosity, with all this evidence, with all this conviction, and with all this borders piece, being present, being curious, being committed to routines and habits, accepting with unconditional confession, all these lessons, none of them would matter. They're all irrelevant if you're not doing something about it. So just start. Just take that first step through the intentionality piece. This podcast wouldn't have happened. Our passion project would have never born. This would have simply been and stayed an idea of blueprint in our minds. But none of this would have came to full fruition if we didn't do something about it. What did we do about it? We started it. And for example, I'm sure a lot of people know this, is for every episode, we try to ask our friends who listen to our podcast or whatever they may be, we ask them for constructive feedback. We ask them to you know, help us get better because this is our passion project. We're truly passionate about it. This is why we're sitting on this on a Sunday morning and we're spending three hours with every guest. That's why we brainstorm every week. All these hours, all this editing, all this social media promotion, everything that we do is simply a way to fulfill our passion project, to be better at it, right? Because we're passionate about it. And... I remember the first few episodes, the ubiquitous, the common theme of the feedback was, yo, your audio sucks. I, it's hard for me to listen because audio is so shitty. And we understand that. And do you know why? Because we didn't want to be crippled by what you talked about, paralysis by analysis, right? We don't want to get paralyzed by overanalyzing. This is what most people do in this day and world where people think too much. You're overindexing, you're overanalyzing every single decision you do. And by the end of the day, what do you do? You dreamscape. What that means is you escape the reality through dreaming by fantasizing about what you could be doing. But what's the point of that? It's when you're not doing anything, it's inaction, right? So we just wanted to do, we just wanted to cross the line. We just wanted to cross the turning point. What we call the point of no return is, you know what? No more excuses. We have this idea. We have this blueprint. We're going to make that into reality. Full blossom reality, in fact. is So we recorded our first few episodes on our cell phone. I mean, 
I think with smartphone nowadays, the audio quality isn't too horrendous, so it is definitely doable. So we recorded on our phone, and guess what? We edited it as much as we can, and we uploaded it onto the platform, and it's been on Spotify, Apple Podcasts since. But yeah, it's, we we have all these thinkings, all these brilliant ideas, all this great ambition, conviction, whatever you want to call it. But all those are just a fantasy when you don't do anything about it, you know. But yeah, Aiden, what about you? Yeah, I think this lesson trickles in from every single one of the guests we've had, and. I can't even begin to explain how much it's impacted my own life just with really starting whatever journey that was. Like I mentioned before, I was super into reading books for the longest time, but that consumption of knowledge didn't lead to any action. There weren't any steps moving forward from what those lessons were. Um, Specifically from some of our guests, uh, Anoops really comes to mind where he actually left his PhD program at UCLA to pursue entrepreneurship. Um, He realized that why would he wait five years to pursue an idea when he could do it now? In five years, once he finished his uh, PhD program, someone might have already invented that idea. Someone might have already been pursuing that company that, you know, he really sees the vision in the future of that becoming. So the big thing to point out here is just that all decisions need to start with action, whether that's the fact that you want to lose 20 pounds, whether that's the fact that you want to find a boyfriend or girlfriend, you have to go out and start doing the work. You have to start going to work out. You have to start going on dates as bad or as good as they may be. You have to put in the time. You have to put in the effort and the energy to ultimately fulfill that end goal. Um, As small as the first step is, it's still a first step. I think this is something that I've noticed a lot, especially when it comes to fitness and nutrition. People read what's the exact exact workout I should do, the exact nutrition plan that I should follow, what gym should I go to, just really getting caught up in the minutia of what details work. I think this is really where all the ubiquitous information comes into play. We're almost crippled by the amount of information out there that really when it comes to losing weight, you walk down the block three times and that's enormously better than reading for four hours about what things to do. Instead of figuring out what you should do, just actually do. Um, There's a quote that I think really describes this well from Tony Robbins, and he says, a real decision is measured by the fact that you've taken a new action. If there's no action, you haven't truly decided. That really represents what Tu talked about, what Anoop talked about, but really deciding and acting from there. Uh, Tu decided he wanted to retire at 30, so he took that first step. He saved his first dollar, He saved for that first year, and then he bought his first house. So as small as the first action is, just start somewhere. So whatever it is you're trying to accomplish, we see 2020, the start of a new year, the start of a new decade, right around the corner. Regardless of what you want to accomplish, if you want to get healthier, if you want to start a business, if you want to meet new friends and move to a new city, whatever that goal is, whatever that really drives or moves you or that you want to see in your life, just start as small as that first step is just start and see where you end up yeah i agree man and there is a ch- ancient chinese proverb that uh, that comes into mind i'm not sure if i quite translated from chinese to english perfectly but it's like the idea of more or less a pathway is created where people walk so the idea and the analogy is that you know when you look around there's grass fields you know there's of course like concrete pavements and there's like pathways already designed to infrastructure but you know people are lazy this is a simple example people are lazy and people like to take shortcuts so people started to walk across the grass field to get to from point a to point b 
that grass field was not meant to be a pathway, right? Because there wasn't a path. It was not designed to be a pathway. However, that pathway will eventually be created by people walking across that field, right? But that pathway is originating from that first person who decides to take that shortcut about walking upon that grass field. And pe- the first person walked across the pathway and the subsequent people follows. And then as more people walk through the uh, pathway, the path is eventually created. But none of that pathway, none of that shortcut, none of that would have been created if that first step was never uh, set upon that grass field. You know, and it is a simple analogy, but it, it really, really hits home for me because yeah, what is the point of thinking all this? What is the point of all having all this mental decision-making like what Tony Robbins talked about? If you haven't really acted, you're still deciding. Would you rather live a life of deciding 24-7? But what does that decision lead to? Because you haven't really decided because you haven't done anything about it, you know? And that goes back to our first episode was Passion Project, right? It talks about why we started all this. And episode two, we talked about minimizing regrets. The same reason why Aiden quit his public accounting job at EY, why I quit my management consulting role. And, you know, because we wanted to live a life of minimal regrets. And oftentimes people forget this. You know, regrets only happen. They only happen because people wait too long or sit on their fantasy, whatever they may be, until, quote unquote, the perfect moment. But you have to realize perfectionism is not a thing. There is no such thing as the, the perfect moment. You know, you have to act now. And that is the only way Truly the only way to live a life of minimized regrets. I mean, it's impossible to have a no regrets. You're going to have regrets here and there, but how can we minimize it, right? How can we maximize what we can control and minimize what we cannot control? It's by doing. It's by doing you will be able to truly, truly live a, f- a fulfilled life, wherever that may be. And, you know, by doing, by starting, by taking that first step, whatever that first step may mean to you, that's how we're able to start this podcast. That's how we're able to sit and this particular Sunday morning to synthesize, to reflect upon every lessons that we learned from 17 hour episodes and from eight guests, because we didn't want to let the perfect moment stop us, right? And all these things create a compound effect, a domino effect, whatever you call it. Without the first step, we wouldn't be here right now. We wouldn't be talking to the mic. We would not be talking to the audiences from all around the world, literally. And all these are possible because at first we had the intention but more importantly, and most importantly, we decided to start and act upon the intention. Don't let your decision-making, don't let all these things, all these doubts cripple your action. Just do it. The quality of our later episodes are drastically different from the quality of our first few episodes because of the mic quality, we got better articulation, we got better interviewing, all these things grow. And if I let the idea of, oh man, when we record that first episode, what are people going to think about it? The quality is horrible. All these doubts, all these doubts, but you're going to get better. It is a growth process. It is your journey. Nobody is born with all the skill sets and all the experiences, all the life experiences, right? You have to accumulate those experiences by living, by doing. So don't let that fear cripple you. Don't let other people's judgments cripple you. Just act upon it. And trust me, you will grow tremendously and you will be so glad however long months ago when you look back upon it that, oh man, I'm really, really grateful that I decided to make that first leap of faith. Have faith in yourself, right? Having that unconditional compassion, having with all these lessons are going to use that as a fuel, use that as a driving force to truly pursue what you want, whatever your passion may be and start living, you know, start living and by acting now. Excellent point, Ben. I'm really glad that you mentioned just that first step because often the first step is the most difficult. 
uh, really getting started, whether that's the first day in the gym, the first day driving a new way to work, the first day talking to that person that you don't know. Um, it's always the first step I've found that's the most difficult or the most challenging to really put your own ideas or perceptions of what that experience is going to be like. Um, and it always gets easier. The first podcast that we ever did, I was low key kind of terrified. We had to drink a couple glasses of whiskey just to get the ideas flowing, the words coming out. But now that we've been doing it for three months, it's gotten remarkably easier, remarkably more fulfilling. And I think that really builds momentum for the passion, builds momentum for continuing to work at it day by day. So regardless of what you're trying to accomplish, start somewhere, take that first step. Um, There's an old saying from this childhood cartoon. I think it was a Christmas-related cartoon, um, but they have this saying of just take one step in front of the other and soon you'll be walking out the door. So it's really that first step continuing to build, just like you push a snowball down a hill, it continues to grow and grow until it builds and builds. Uh, Momentum is a real thing. So no matter how small you're starting, just start somewhere and we can guarantee that you'll be in a better place at the end of that action. So coming full circle, we'd like to just a appreciate all of you guys. If you're still listening and listened all the way through, we really think that these lessons have impacted us both in and outside of our podcast experience, as well as impacted the lives of our respective guests who are all incredible people and super high achievers that we think provide a lot of value to you all. Um, We have immense gratitude for not only our guests, but also our listeners. And really just want to run back through of our first three months with the podcast, our big seven lessons learned. So starting first, overarching theme, act with intention, accept with unconditional compassion, commit to routines and habits, be present, be curious, learn without borders, evaluate with evidence, decide from conviction, and start. Just take that first step. We hope you all took something away from this episode and really bring this momentum into the new year and have a happy, blessed, and incredible 2020 year to come. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to another episode of Discover More. We release a new episode every Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and would really appreciate if you have subscribed and shared this with your friends. We hope you enjoyed this episode and join us next week in the journey of discovering more through intentional dialogues.